Awesome, Zach. Thank you uh, for sharing that, uh, just that insight into, into Peter, but more importantly to Jesus and how you're really seeking to follow him. That, that is really great. Um, today, we're going to eventually get to Romans 6. I have a few things I want to chat about first as we get there. Um, you know, one thing that has been on my mind is why we do stuff. You ever thought about that, why you do stuff? You know, why? You know, what's behind it? You know, there's a guy I've been following for a few years named Dan Buettner, and Dan Buettner works for National Geographic, and he is a researcher, and, and he did a lot of these amazing quests. You know, go check it out sometime. He's written a lot of articles. But one thing he did a, a number of years back is he found this weird thing that in some places in the world, people, a lot of people live to be over 100 years old. Like, there's five or eight of them around the world where it just there's just, there's just a lot of 100-year-olds. And he coined the term blue zones. You know, let's go to a blue zone and figure out, well, what is it they do in a blue zone that makes them live so long? And so one of the traits of people living this age, and, you know, in Okinawa, the term they have for it is called ikigai. So ikigai is this idea of a life person, a life purpose. You know, in French, right? Raison d'etre, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, my French is probably horrid, right? But it's your, it's your reason for living. It's the it's the meaning of your life, the relationship to your talents, your passions, your profession, as well as what you contribute to the wider world. You know, he found that people with a strong ikigai live, on average, eight years longer. So if you have a strong purpose, if God gives you a strong purpose, God actually lets you live longer to fulfill your purpose. It, it's a crazy thing, you know. You know, and, and, and what you do, excuse me, the why you do the things you do is is as important, maybe more important than, than the what you do. It reminds me of, of Matthew 6, right? Doesn't Jesus talk about, he says, you know, the pagans, they just go run around for what? What they'll eat, what they'll wear. Uh, he says, but you guys, what you ought to do is seek the kingdom of God first. You, that ought to be your why you do things uh, so that you get to where you want to be where Jesus is ikigai. Uh, so I want to do a little visual thing here, a little visual story. So, um, Larry, can you stand up? I'm going to pick on you for a minute. So Larry, <laughs> so Larry uh, a few years ago, back in the early 90s, was a college student. Do you believe guys yeah. believe that Larry was a college student? I do. So he knew this guy named Chris, can you stand up? Oh, 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 so. So Chris, now I, I, I probably will butcher this a bit, but my understanding is that Larry helped help Chris become a Christian. Is that right? Uh, he actually helped me after I became a Christian okay. as a young disciple, right? Okay. And so, and helped him become a great song leader. Yeah. You know, and uh, we tried to recruit Chris to song lead help today, but he was like, no, I'm on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, you know. But, you know, so then Chris eventually married Fernanda, so Sam Fernanda, and everybody loves Fernanda. You know, it's yeah. amazing. You know, there was a party last night at our house, you know, for Allie and for the crew, and <coughs> Fernanda just catered it. You know, Fernanda and Chris carried the whole thing. We just showed up. It was great. You know, it uh, was a fun event. But it's really that, that part for people. But then, so then, of course, they had Allie, so Allie stand up. <laughs> and so... Uh, so that connection there to Allie then. So Allie came here, as most of you recall, back in her, just before she went to Champlain College and spent a few years here. Not, 
Not as many as she should have, in my personal opinion, but that's why I'm not in control. God's in control. Um, but then, so Allie was able then to have an influence on Emily and Kayla, so you guys stand up. So you think about the impact that the Word of God has on a community over decades. And so anybody here, is anybody here that was has not been affected by one of the people standing in this room? Everybody has, right? God has affected every single person in here because of a, of a spiritual icky guy. So go ahead and sit down. A purpose, a why of doing Thanks, Larry. Yeah, thank you for supporting my visual story. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's interesting that when we get things in the right order, you know, they, they really go well. That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 6. He's saying, you know, if you get things out of order, you start working really hard for the things of the body. You know, clothing, what you'll wear. And isn't that really easy to do? Does anybody ever, like, like I, uh, I got a free subscription to Fitness Plus on Apple, and they have these workouts, and they yell at you, and it's all this. I'm like, <laughs> you know, you, maybe it makes you want to exercise, you know. And I'm like, I'll turn that off and listen to spiritual podcasts. I really have my mind seriously. But it's really easy to get on that track. And so we work on the body, and then along comes behind it the soul and the spirit of God. And works so much better when we start with God. Let's put God first, like Zach was talking about. Let's focus on God, and then God then fills the spirit and the soul and the body. And so it, it, it gets the same, well, I don't know, it gets a different result for sure, but it gets all of them by focusing on God, by seeking God first. And I have this one uh, passage that I learned, and I learned it to a tune uh, in a church group I was in years ago, and uh, I won't sing it for you because... Uh, <laughs> But I sing it to myself a lot. It's Galatians 2.20. You know, excuse me. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So really, our transformation is that our, we, and we're going to get to Romans 6 soon, when we die, we become one with Jesus. We are in the Messiah. We are in Christ. He's in us, and it's no longer us that's living, it's him living in us and changing us and transforming us and bringing our spirit and our soul and our body together. Now, you might recall in 1 Thessalonians, it talks about that, that we're going to get all of those to be blameless, 1 Thessalonians 5, when we come before our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to bring our spirit and our soul and our body all together, all important. Remember in Matthew 10, he says, you know, hey, be careful about the one who can kill the body and can't kill the soul. You should be afraid of the one that can kill the body and the soul. They go together, right? Uh, that's where, that, and put them in hell, by the way, it says, you know, I, you know that, that's the end result. And so, you know, you think about that, well, how do I love God? You know, I really want to love God. You know, in chapter 5, you know, Paul talks about that loving people, he says, you know, chapter 5 of Romans, that, uh, you know, a good person might be willing to die for somebody. Anybody here willing to die for somebody? Yeah, maybe, you, know, you know, I thought of some examples. Maybe to save your husband or your wife, or your mom or your dad, or your children. You might be willing to do that. You know, they, you, know you might transfer your life for theirs because you cared about them. Uh, you might be, if, you know, I think of some of the battle situations, maybe for a fellow soldier, <clears throat> because it's sort of like a, a mutual agreement. You save me, I'll save you. Hopefully we will both get out of it okay. Um, you know, you might, you might just jump in to save somebody in distress. You know, if someone falls into the water, you jump in to help them because you're concerned for them. You know, 
God's grace is amazing, though. While we were still sinners, he was willing to die for us so we could have a relationship with him. He was willing to give up his life, literally, the, the, the physical life of Jesus, uh, to let his grace, his unmerited favor, that's beyond our understanding and compassion for us. His compassion was beyond our understanding. It's hard to get tripped up when I'm turning the page. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and head over to Romans 6, finally, Amen. starting in verse 1. That's amazing. God loves us so much that he sacrificed Jesus for us. The Romans, 1, Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You know, some people have taken the approach that, well, once you're saved, there's just nothing you can do to get unsaved. There's no way to lose a relationship. Now, if you think about that, if that was really true, then it would be you could break any law. You could sin in any way you wanted because there was no way to undo it. Mm-hmm. And so people have used that as an excuse. Let's just go. It's okay. We're forgiven. Let's go knock it out of the park, whatever that means, you know. And, you know, Paul talked about that, remember, back in Romans 3. He said, you know, some people are saying, let us do evil that good may increase. Mm-hmm. And he said their condemnation is just. That, that's clearly not what this passage means that we can do anything we want and it's forgiven. It really is a transformation. You, you are in Christ. And, you know, Christ, as I like to jokingly say, is not Jesus' last name. It actually is the word Christos for Messiah. So it means anointed king. Jesus is the king. So when you were baptized, you joined Jesus in his death so that when he was raised by the glory of the Father, we can live a new life. You know, to live, the Greek word is peripateo, which means more than just, it means to walk like your way of life, your walk. You know, we talk about somebody's walk, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's your ethics, it's your sort of when you're around, you know, someone, you just know how they live. And that's, we were raised to walk this new life, this different life that's modeled after King Jesus. Our, that's our model. That's who we're like. You know, in First John it says, if you walk in the light, as Jesus in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. It's the same word. He's talking about <clears throat> Jesus continues to cleanse us, to change us. We've been raised to be that, to participate with Jesus in the life that we live. Look over for a minute in, in Titus 2. I really love this, in Titus 2.11. Because um, it helps me to really put into perspective what, where, how does the grace of God work in Peter's life? You know, it says, Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the, this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Have you ever gotten in a way where you just don't, well, first you don't trust other people. You know, if we just give them grace, let them do whatever they want, they're just going to go mess up. You know, if you're a parent, 
you felt this way. <laughs> yep. You know, even at starting a toddler age, if we just let Juniper do whatever she wants, go to bed whatever you want, Juniper. Yeah. No <laughs> rules, you know, no rules in this family. Now, you know, that's just not going to work. But then sometimes we get that same idea in ourselves. We're like, oh no, 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 no. I know, I know it says grace, but I just, uh, no, I'm not doing that. I need a lot of rules. You know, so we make, so what are some rules that we make up for ourselves? That's some rules. That's a question. Rules you make up for yourself. Help me out here. Don't be late. Don't be after nine o'clock. You can't stay up after nine o'clock. Okay. Okay. Eat. Okay. How about spiritual rules? What are some spiritual fences we make for ourselves? I mean, good or bad. I mean, what are some rules we make? Yeah, I'm probably like quiet time in the morning. I'm gonna have a quiet time every morning. Does that have to be a certain length? Forty-nine minutes. Okay. Ten minutes. Five minutes. Okay, so rule. What are some other rules? Always pray before eating. Always pray before eating. What's that? Prayer time, the same way as quiet time. Okay. Yeah. Other rules? Read a certain number of chapters. Okay. Read a certain number of chapters. That's got some rules. So nice is the graceful group. How many rules? No, that's right. I mean, we were talking last night. What was it about? Uh, what are the rules that we'll have for our island if we were a dictator? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great conversation. And what was it? What was the one you made? Something about a chicken hat? Yeah. Bird hat. Bird hat. Yeah. Everybody had to wear a bird hat except for the dictator. It's interesting, you know. And as crazy as that might seem, don't we do the same thing for ourselves? Oh yeah, if I'm really spiritual, I'm gonna to use your knowledge, I'm gonna wear a bird hat every day, and that will prove to someone that I'm spiritual. You know, you think about in a relationship, don't do this, but what if you said, you know, I'm going to tell my, my partner, my wife, or my husband, I love you 10 times a day. Right. Oh, no. My watch says it's 11.45, but I've only done it nine times. Wake her up. I love you. <laughs> when she finds out about that, all the other nine, all of it, they're, they're going to be without effect. Because when you find out, oh, you're just doing this because you're following a rule, you know, you know, tell them to love, you love them as much as you can. That would be awesome. So sometimes we make rules. They're trying to help us, but in the end, they don't. They don't help us get there. It's the grace of God. God has unmerited favor. He loves us, gives us, encourages us, because he wants us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Yeah. And I guess the missing part is we think that if I work really hard, I'll be self-controlled, upright, and godly. But the, the really thing is God's trying to transform us into a person that, given no restraints, would do what God would do. Because you're in Christ. You're in the Messiah. You're in King Jesus. You are there. You're just going to do what he would do in that situation because that's who you are. And that's really the goal we're trying to do, we're striving to do, is become that person who can say no to ungodliness and who can live that powerful life. Um, you know, Jesus said that he who is, who is forgiven much loves much. And he who has been forgiven little loves little. Maybe we ought to spend more time thinking about what Jesus has forgiven us of so that we would be spurred on and motivated uh, to love other people. Yeah. Let's go back to Romans 6. Um, Peter. You know, in Romans, it, it, you can't miss baptism in Romans 6, 1 through 4. So maybe we should talk about it for a minute. I was thinking about what are some of the things I, I would like to try and understand here. It says, I wrote down, it says, people tell me that you don't have to get baptized to be right with God. You ever heard that? Is that true? I don't think so from this verse, but, you know, isn't baptism a work? You know, and, 
you know, isn't God's grace enough for you to be saved? Well, I, I was thinking, well, you know, we know, or you may not know, but the, the word for baptism, it's ironic, they didn't really even translate it, it's just baptizo. We'll just put baptism there, because no, nobody, you know, knows what that means, but it means to emerge, to put totally under the water, just submerge something, right? And so here, when, when Paul's talking about being buried, now, I know in Vermont we're working on compostable graves. I don't know if you've heard this. Yeah. We're burying people showers so they yeah. actually, you know, they decompose quicker. Yeah. But we still bury them all the way under the ground, right? You know, we don't leave anybody like two inches under, or we just <laughs> sprinkle dirt on them or pour dirt on them in the burial. We actually bury them all the way under, uh, whether it's the deep one, six feet, or whether it's something less than that. And same way in Paul's time, burying meant bury, meant get them out of the way, get them under the ground. And so when you talked about Baptism as a burial, it's the same parallel. It's it's taking someone under the ground. So that sort of ties in there. It's not sprinkling, or it's not, you know, it's not um, it's not pouring water on them. And there's a number of passages if you go and check them out. You know, Galatians 2:20 I just mentioned is one of them. But there's a number in Galatians and Colossians that really compare baptism with the process of dying and being born again. It really is that restoration, that coming back. Well, how about, how about baptism as a work? You know, you know, different people at different times have expressed, you know, things that you have to do to be right with God. You know, some people would say that you have to say a prayer of faith in order to be saved. Probably heard that, right? It's familiar. Or maybe you've got to be sprinkled as an infant to be saved. Or you must repent to make Jesus Lord. That'll be enough to be saved. Or one must be a decent person helping others and you'll be saved. Or one must receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues to be saved. Or one must be immersed in water to be saved. You know, all require you to do something. So we're just called to have biblical faith. So the challenge, I think, is to go and figure out what does the Bible say and then do it. It's the way to figure out what to do about baptism. I have no doubt if you just go and look at all the references to baptism in the Bible and study them out, you will come to a biblical faith and know what to do. Because you think about it, Think about Christmas. Anybody have Christmas? Celebrate Christmas? Did anybody get presents? You got some presents? That was, I believe that was what, um, not very long ago, but less than a month ago. Four weeks. Four weeks ago. And, um, you know, you, you get you get an awesome present. Somebody really thought it out well. You know, everybody's got that person who gives you a great present. You know, maybe it's way back, but if not, just give Margaret to give you a great present because she, you know, she does awesome. <laughs> But, you know, it was selected for you. It's wrapped. It's right there. Now, does unwrapping the present uh, mean you earned it? Well, I did. It was a hard job unwrapping that present. Man. So I'm not even going to say thank you. I earned this thing. This is mine. That's crazy, right? Well, that's the sort of thing to say that somehow baptism, because God says, hey, that's how you unwrap the present. That's the access the gift of God. By being united in Christ in death and raised to a new life, that somehow that's something that you did. You know, even crazier. Can you imagine if you took the gift home and you just never unwrapped it? Mm. Never, right? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. It, it's actually a Tesla with a bow and wrapping on it, but, but I'm not going to unwrap it. I'm just going to leave it there. Um, think about it. That's, that's, you know, why would you do that? If Jesus said, hey, repent, be baptized, well, hey, repent, be baptized so you can access the gift that really changes and transforms your life. It's awesome. Yep. Let's keep reading in Romans 6 here, starting in verse 5. It says, If we've been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like his. 
But we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died, died to sin once for all, but he, the life he lives, he lives to God. <coughs> Think about it. So united, Jeanette will love this, it means planted. You know, planted in, in the ground, right? Uh, so if you've been planted, connected with Jesus, uh, then you will be connected in the resurrection that comes after it. You know, the, uh, I think the, really the challenge is, how, how do we live a new life? What's a new life look like? How, how is it different? You know, you're no longer slaves to sin. You're no longer held over, held to it. You think about it for a minute. Just think, what does it feel like to be a slave to sin in your own life? Just reflect on it for a second. What does it feel like to be a slave to sin? Just to be controlled by the sin. To be, you know, as, as one person said, you know, that it's that you want it. You know, a thief is not a thief only if when given the opportunity to steal, they don't steal. Just because you don't steal, you might not have just gotten a chance. You know, you're waiting for the chance to do something, right? And isn't that the way sometimes we're <coughs> creeping back in there? It's like, you know, I'm, I've done really good this week. <clears throat> but you know in your heart, like, man, if I had the chance, it would be rough. It would be hard. I'm, you're still feeling the grab of sin. And Jesus said he died so that we wouldn't have to feel that way. We wouldn't have to have that connection that we could really be living for God. Imagine if you now came into a situation you were thinking, oh, my goodness, what would Jesus do if he were me in this situation? What would Jesus do? How would Jesus, like, like we're going to fellowship a little bit. Jesus was here, and he was me. Like, Jesus was my coach, my personal life coach. You know, he's getting with me and said, Pete, you know, it's going to be fellowship. What do you think you should do to be like me? Um, okay, and, you know, use the grow model, right? Ryan, we're gonna, he's going to give us a goal, and we're going to think about how we've been, and if Jesus were sort of coaching me, what would I do? And, and you know, he's going to have a time later. He's going to check in on me. Because um, he wants me to what? To be like him. To live like him. To be like God. <clears throat> That's really what Jesus is desiring for me. So when you think about it, when, when you live for God, what are you filled with? What things are filled with you, in you? What things come out when you are living for God? Help me out here. Love. Love, joy. Faith, faith, peace, peace, gratitude, freedom, perspective, perspective. generosity, Generosity. ability to impact others. Yeah, people trust you, you can impact them. That's great. Think about it in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer me living, but Christ living in me. Now, that's really what we're trying to do is we're trying to fill ourselves with God in us so that we can have, we can be, in the right sense, be God, be Jesus in situations because that's what he's called us to be. Keep reading in Romans 6.11. It says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, 
Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Do not offer any part of your, yourself, of your body. I think some, some uh, uh, translations may say parts of your body uh, as, a, as an instrument of wickedness. Well, I just thought about, okay, let me just think about what are some parts of my body, you know. And, and I say, well, what about my ears? I have ears. You know, Corinthians talks about that being the part of the body that gets, you know, has, has a role there. So how, how can my ears, you know, uh, affect me as far as being used for good or, or bad? Well, so I hear things. Anybody, you guys hear stuff? I hear stuff. So, you know, I, I read, you know, in 1 Timothy 5, it says you shouldn't entertain an accusation against an old guy, an elder, Unless you uh, was brought by two or three witnesses, hmm, okay. But that's 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 just a specialization of a generalization, right? Didn't Jesus in Matthew 18 make a more general statement? So you know, if, you know, somebody sins against you, go to them, and if they don't listen to you, bring two or three more with you. And if if all, everybody agrees, then you know that person should at least take it seriously, right? We should hear that. So my ears should be, you know. Slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to get angry. Amen. I should be quick to listen, quick to believe in people. Like, I want God to believe in me. You know, Titus 2, right? God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So we got to believe that our, we, each other, we want to say no to ungodliness. That's our desire, right? How about my mouth? You know, everybody got a mouth here, right? Anybody said anything they shouldn't have said? <laughs> Never. Yeah. Never. Never happened, right? So, so the Bible is real clear on gossip. Gossip is saying things about people to somebody else that are not in their best interest. You know, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome talk come into your mouth except what you for building others up according to their needs. I think that's my scripture. Absolutely. It's memorized by me, and I continue to use it. But I think it's that idea that I want to think about the things that I'm saying. How do they impact other people? It doesn't mean you don't say hard things. It just means you, you save them because whose are you? God's. Right. You are raised to a new life. You are you are representing Jesus. You're reflecting God's kingdom around you. <clears throat> you know, how about your eyes? Is your eyes, you know, what's the saying? You, you can't unsee things? <laughs> yeah? Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Yeah. true? Yeah. You know, little kids can't tell the difference between a, a, a cartoon image and reality. And I don't have a good modern analogy, but in my kids' era, it was Casper the Friendly Ghost. He's a real person to your five-year-old. He just comes in their eyes. <clears throat> well, do you know it's the same for you? You ever had a dream about a movie you saw? It's just it's like real. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Just let that sit in for a minute. Think about that. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. He had a plan. He had a covenant. <clears throat> he said, I am not going to do that. Amen. I think we need to have a plan about our eyes, what we look at, what we see, you know, what you watch on you know, TV or media or <clears throat> wherever, because it, it it comes in there. You know, it's a way to have your body be an instrument of unrighteousness. You think about it, just all these can be mirrored back. How can I use my eyes to be righteous? I can see great things. I can share great things with my mouth. I can listen to encouraging things, to the Word of God. I can love people. I can tell people things that are encouraging. I can spur them on toward love and good deeds. <clears throat> the last body part I have is my feet. You know, some people's feet just are for hiking. 
<laughs> Mainly, you know, that's, that's a good, you know, other people's feet are meant to uh, be on the pegs of a motorcycle. That's another good thing, I think, right, Bob? But, uh, but you know, what we go, what we do. You have to make, you know, your heart has to make a decision, but your feet do the walking. You know, a lot of it is about how do I get my feet to do the good things? Let's go be active in, you know, what is, what's, it, what's the one thing I remember, you know, how, how, how good and sweet are the Right? We'll bring good news. Bring good news. Yeah. So your feet were meant to bring good news to other people. You know, how about this? Just offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. You know, offer every part of yourself uh, as an instrument of righteousness. I like that. It's every part. It's really your whole body. He starts to say, well, don't use any one part of your body for evil. Just use your whole body for goodness. You know, because it's really, you know, if you're a, if you're if you're born again, if you're you know, a disciple of Jesus, it really can't be the whole body that's evil. Because if it is, well, you're not walking the light. It's just sometimes if some parts of our body get off track, let's bring them all in. Let's let's remember we're under grace, but the grace is there so that we will be connected with Jesus. Uh, it just crossed my mind. You know, it's like, do we use God or do we let Him use us? Use God or do you let him use us? You know, it's reminded me of <clears throat> Colossians 3, verse 1. It says, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You're in God. You've already died. You've already crucify the sinful nature. You already have been raised to a new life. <clears throat> you know, you will never die because you have started your journey on an eternal walk, an eternal life, an eternal kingdom. So just as we finish up, I want you to take a minute here <clears throat> think about how you felt the day you were baptized. <clears throat> the day you began your journey in the kingdom of God. Soak up what it felt like to start the new life. What was your goal in that moment? It should have been to walk the new life that Jesus called you to go. You died that day you were baptized into Jesus. You surfaced in God, in the Messiah. How will you use, how will he use you today to reflect his kingdom? What does the next thing you say or hear or do in God's kingdom as an instrument of his righteousness, what would that look like? What's the next thing you'll do? And the thing after that, and the thing after that, how's it look like? Think about what I said in the beginning. Do we start with the body or do we start with God? Because if we start with God, the soul and the spirit and the body, they all come along too. If we start with the body, it just doesn't work. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We are so grateful that we get to be your sons and daughters. Father, that you chose us because of your mercy and your grace that we could be raised to new life. Pray that you just really fill, with, fill us with your Holy Spirit, fill us with your majesty, your glory. God, help us to just put one foot in front of the other to be your children love you continually and to live lives that glorify you in everything we do. We love you. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.